This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. So everybody is well rested this morning, right? Extra hour of sleep for those of you that have young children. They didn't get the memo, did they? They just got up anyway. So, you know, while I'm preaching today, I should expect nobody to be falling asleep because you all got lots of sleep. You know, back in the day when my dad was pastor, if anybody fell asleep when he was preaching, he would get the whole church to stand up. He'd be like, I don't want anybody to sleep. Everybody stand up. When you fall asleep when I'm preaching, I just look away. Pretend it's not happening. Look at someone else who's actually interested in the message. No, I'm just joking. Um, I just want to make mention of one other announcement. Water baptism we have coming up on Sunday, November the 18th. And I just want to say if you are a follower of Christ and you have never been water baptized, uh, we encourage you to do that. And I've had a couple people ask me uh, the question relating to them. They got baptized when they were younger. And and what I would say, if you got baptized when you were younger, and this is something, this is great that your parents did this, that they set a great example for you, but that's something they chose for you. Now, you have a choice as an adult. When we say, you know, we baptize adults, anybody from junior high up, uh, now you would be saying when you get baptized uh, that you are telling the story, that you are going public with your faith. And that's what water baptism is. It's all about you just declaring that you follow Jesus. And so it tells the story of salvation. So when we go under the water, we are saying that we are dying with Christ, that we are dying to our sin, that we are dying to our old way of life. And when we come up out of the water, we are saying that we are risen to new life in Christ, washed our our sins away, washed our old life away, and now we have this relationship with God. So it's just a way for you to illustrate your relationship with God. So if you have done, if you've never been baptized, once again, you're not putting your parents down. If you got baptized as a child, you are not um, being angry at your parents. You are just saying that you are going public with your faith. So if you want to do that, you can sign up after the service at the connect bar and we would be happy to baptize you on the 18th. All right, let's turn our Bibles this morning to Romans chapter one. And we are continuing our series that we have called Hall of Faith. And the subject under discussion obviously is the subject of faith in this series, but we are specifically looking at the men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, who we have some description and some detail of things that they accomplished by faith, the things that they are celebrated because they lived by faith. And then Hebrews chapter 12 says, see, we have this great cloud of witnesses that accomplished all of these things by faith that you should run your race. And by implication is the race of faith that Hebrews chapter 11, in a sense, is not closed. Your name should be added to Hebrews chapter 11 saying your by faith, your name, and then you accomplish whatever you are accomplishing in your life. And so this is how God wants us to live our lives. It is by faith. And as we've said, if you've missed any of the messages, they are available online through our podcast. And to make mention again, we have a brand new podcast feed. So if you used to um, subscribe to our old podcast, if you just go back to iTunes and search again for the City Church Mississauga, you see our black and white logo. That is our new podcast feed. You can catch up uh, to messages there or 
through our church app. And what we've been discussing is this idea that ultimately everybody lives by faith. Everybody lives by what they believe. I believe something about life, so I act it out. I I have a thought about marriage, so I live it out. I have a thought about my job, and so I live it out. So everybody lives, whether they have a claim and belief in God or not. Everybody lives according to their beliefs. But the idea that we're discussing in this series is that we don't just have beliefs in ideas or principles, but we actually are putting our faith in God, the person of God, that we are putting the ultimate trust for our now and for our eternity into the character and nature of God himself. And so this is what we're discussing in this series, that we should and we, um, God is desiring for us to live by faith. So as we read here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we can see this principle. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What does it mean to be righteous? It's those of us that have a relationship with God. We don't have a righteousness of our own. It is a righteousness that comes because of the life and of Jesus, that he died on the cross. He offers us a relationship with him, and that is called righteousness. So the scripture says that we should live by faith. And as I said, this isn't a Sunday thing. This isn't a church service thing. This isn't a religion thing. That we are, should be living every day, every circumstance, um, every situation with faith in God. My trust is ultimately in God. So we live this out on a daily basis. It's not, once again, we don't relegate it to one part of our lives. But it's what we're, whenever we're living, which is all of the time, we should be putting our faith in God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So as we discuss these individuals, we're going to see what faith looks like, what it sounds like, how they acted, what their attitudes were, so that we can adopt those things as we are putting our faith in God, that we can realize maybe areas of our lives that we're not putting our trust in God because so-and-so acted like this and I don't actually do that in my life. So, hey, I, I can put that into practice. So, so far we've looked at Abel, we've looked at Enoch, and then last week we looked at Noah. So today we're going to be looking at Abraham. So let's uh, turn again uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read here a little bit about faith and then we'll get started talking about Abraham. So as we are looking at these ideas, one of the, the things that we will see over and over again in these stories, that the idea of faith and faithfulness, they actually go together. Now, sometimes we separate these things in our mind. But faith and faithfulness go together in this sense that we, we're talking about putting our trust in God, but then God also wants to put his trust in us, that he has something for us to do and accomplish like all of these individuals that we're going to read about. They did things in their generation. They did things in their time, accomplished something. So we should want to show ourselves trustworthy to God that we can accomplish God's thoughts and ways in the time 
that we live. So this word uh, faith, it means a, lo- a bunch of different things. It helps us uh, if we use different definitions that we can grab onto the principle. Faith means belief. It means trust. It means loyalty. It means confidence. It means reliance. All of those words relating to our relationship with God. So let's read here Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, talking about faith, the people of old received their commendation. In other words, God celebrated their faith the same way with us. We are going to be commended as we live by faith in God. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made of things that are visible. Now we're skipping down to verse 8 to read about Abraham. Now before we read about Abraham, um, as we have been looking at these uh, people so far in this chapter, for some of the people that we looked at, there's very little detail about their lives. But with Abraham, there's actually a lot about Abraham. And we're actually going to look at a very small portion, but I encourage you to read about the whole life of Abraham. But what's great about the detail that we have about Abraham is that we can really identify with Abraham in this way. He made a bunch of mistakes. He did a bunch of things wrong with his life. He made some really stupid choices. And, you know, we can sort of sanitize um, characters in the scripture, you know, kind of thinking they're perfect. But there is no sanitizing things that Abraham did. And what's great about the story of Abraham is that we can see that God uses imperfect people. So that means we're all candidates. We're all candidates to be used by God because we are imperfect. Does anyone in here this morning want to admit that they're imperfect? Okay, the rest of you, this message is not for you. For all of the perfect people that just made it to church today, we're so glad to have you in our presence. No, the idea is that we can see Abraham and then he's a person just like you and me, made some stupid choices. And then the other thing that we would see about Abraham, is it's kind of, he's very famous in the sense that uh, three of the major world religions track their origins to Abraham, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all sort of celebrate Abraham and who he is. But if we go back to look at the life of Abraham, he was never intending to start any religions. He was trying to follow God in his time. He was trying to obey the voice of God in his life. He was trying to walk out what God was showing him. And this is something else that we should be able to identify with. Just this notion, this idea, as we've seen over and over again, walking with God that we should desire to walk with God in our lives. Verse 8, let's read about it in Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he received to receive an inheritance that he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, giving in tent, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So let's look at one of, this, one of these phrases here in verse 8. It says that he went out not knowing where he was going. 
that God said, I want you to go in this direction. I want you to move in this place. But then ultimately, Abraham went there, but he didn't know exactly what the future would hold. Now, sometimes when people talk about the principles of faith, they use it in such a way, well, you you know, you're just walking blindly by faith. And I don't actually think that that's true because when we think about the principles of faith that Abraham had the voice of God showing up in his life, directing him in a direction, going in a certain way, but he didn't know what all of his future looked like, just like none of us could say that we know exactly what our futures look like. We can say we might have an idea. We might have a thought about, you know, five years from now, this is what my life would look like. Or 10 years from now, this is what my life would look like. As you could all maybe imagine or testify, you know, five years ago, you might not have thought of, you couldn't have dreamed that you would be where you are now or 10 years ago. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I took over um, from my dad last month as the lead pastor here at the city church. You know, when I had some thoughts and ideas about what it would mean to be a pastor and sort of moving in the direction that I felt that God was moving me in. And when I think about this 10-year journey, I couldn't have predicted that we would be here now in this building. I didn't actually know about this building 10 years ago. But here we are 10 years later, you know, getting to worship in this amazing building. But, but what was happening in me or through me 10 years ago was I was moving to do the things that I knew to do at the moment. And this is the way we need to think about doing the will of God in our lives because we don't actually know what five years from now looks like. But we do actually know some things about the will of God. Those are the things that we should be doing. Because some people get frozen. Well, I don't know what's going to happen five years from now, so I won't do anything. No, but there is some things that you know, even some things from the scripture that you know to do. Do those things, and those things will take you into the will of God. Doing the things you know to do, not worrying about the unknowns. Because, you know, depending on your personality too, you know, so many unknowns make people just freeze. Well, I don't know about this and I won't know about this and I don't know about this. So I just won't do anything. God wants us to do the things that he's already shown us. And those are the things that will move us into the future that God has for us. He went out not knowing exactly where he was going, but he knew that he was obeying the voice of God. We talked about this last week with the Noah story that faith obeys. Here we see this idea again in the Abraham story. He went out following after the voice of God, not knowing exactly what his future looks like, but he knows the one who knows the beginning from the end. I don't actually have to know what five years from now looks like. I know God. That's how we need to think about our future. I'm not trying to be a mind reader. I'm not trying to be a fortune teller about my future. But I know God knows. My faith is in him. I don't have to try to predict my future. I'm going to just move after the voice of God, obey his voice for my life. And then in verse 9, it says this. By faith, he went out to live in the land of promise. So remember that. As we read here, the Abraham story in Genesis chapter 12. So let's turn back over to Genesis chapter 12. And we will see the story of Abraham. Now, before, 
you know, God changed Abraham's name to Abraham from Abram. So as we're reading the story about Abram, Abraham, we will see his name is called Abram. Genesis 12, verse 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, we've actually talked a lot about Abraham this year in, in various series. And as I mentioned before, that this, these words there in verse 2 present a great vision for life. It helps us to know what to do with our lives. And it's some version of this. That God wants to bless you. In other words, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something for you. And then after he does something in you and for you, he's changing you and then he's blessing you. As a result of that, he wants you to be a blessing for others. And there's no greater vision for life than that. Now, the, the, vision, the vision for your life will be specific to you and, and what you're doing. But this is the meta vision for all people for all times. That God blesses you and does something in you. And then from that, he wants you to be a blessing for others. This is the way to live. And this is what God is, is calling out to Abraham, this, this, ver, this first initial interaction that Abraham is having with God. I bless you, and I want to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a pretty big vision, isn't it? That everybody is going to be blessed because of you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. So he already made a mistake, right? Because why? What did, what did God say? I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go to this place, and then what's happening? He's like, hey, come on with me. He's like, no, you're missing the point. Abram, he's already making mistakes, but God is still using him. Verse 5, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. And at the time of the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to you and your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel. And pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now do you remember what we read in verse 9 of Hebrews 11? I'll read it to you again. It says he went to live in the land of promise. And then when he got to the land of promise, what was happening in the land of promise? There was famine in the land. Doesn't sound like much of a promise, does it? It doesn't sound actually that exciting. 
But here's what we need to understand about what God is doing with our lives. That God is taking us to difficult places. Now, it's not that great that God created those difficult places. It's not that God creates the famine. But he actually wants you to change the place of famine. He wants you to have faith in him. So in the middle of that place of famine, that you can actually make a difference with your life. And this is something so important for us to think about. Because not all of our relationship with God is all about making us comfortable or making us feel good. That actually God will send us to a difficult place. Why? Because he trusts you to make a difference. He wants to do something in you and then through you in the place of famine, in the difficult place. He's sending them to the promised place. Okay, here, I've got somewhere for you to go. I've got a destination for you to walk out. You know, when I, when I, when I took over from my dad 10 years ago, you know, when you're, when you're not a pastor, you think pastoring is really easy, just so you know. And I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and, you know, watching him doing it, really watching him my whole life pastor. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how hard can this be? You know, you get up and you preach and I guess you just pray all week. I don't know what pastors are doing. How hard can this actually be? You know, to have the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of the preaching and the responsibility of the finances and the responsibility of the staff and the responsibility and the responsibility and the responsibility. (laughs) This is going to be easy, right? And then watching him my whole life, he did such a fantastic job. Best pastor I've ever seen. Great example. But then when I got to sit in the first chair, I'm like, wow, there's a lot to do. And some of the places that God calls you into, it's dry land. It's kind of difficult. It's not, it's not the easiest thing. That all, that all of life is, is not easy. Some people say, well, you know, if I'm, if it's easy, I'll do it. Then you won't actually do anything of significance. You know, God, what are you calling me to do? Well, uh, okay, well, how much time is that going to take? Because, you know, I need at least two hours TV every night to feel good about myself. And it can't cut into my TV time and it can't cut into my social media time. It can't cut into my scrolling time. I just need to scroll a lot today. I don't want to necessarily adjust anything about who I am or my attitudes or what I'm doing. If it's easy, I'll do it. But then you won't do anything. Because God is calling us to the hard places of this world. He's not just calling us to live a life of ease and everything is easy all of the time. That some of the things that God calls us to are difficult. Once again, not that he creates the difficulty, but he's sending you there as an emissary. He's sending you there as a representative of his to bring change by faith to the places he's calling you. Where are those places? Where are those difficult places? Sometimes they're at home. 
Sometimes they're on the job. Does anyone ever have a desert place on the job? Come on now. Unless you're sitting by your boss. Sometimes work is really hard. It's difficult. People aren't getting along and it's just, you know, it's just not great. It's not easy. But God has called you there. He has placed you there. Called you to a land. Not knowing where you're going. Now, we're here 10 years later and praise God we're in this wonderful building. But everything hasn't been easy for the last 10 years. Everything hasn't been fun and a bed of roses and simple and easy and sweet. There's been some difficult things along the way. But what I know about each of those circumstances is that God has been faithful every step of the way. And he hasn't left me alone in those dry places. He hasn't left me alone in those places of famine. He has been with me. Helping me, leading me, guiding me. But he still brought me to the place. Once again, not a place that he created, but just because the world has difficult places. And where those difficult places is, God wants his love. God wants his goodness. He wants his will in the midst of that famine. That God wants you to change the place a famine with your faith in him. So what was the rest of the story? We know, so he's there. He's like, oh, you know, this place of famine, I'm going to jump out of the place of famine. And where did he go? He went down to Egypt. He's like, this is too hard. I'm jumping out of this place. And then, you know, we see another mistake he made. He He said to his wife, you know, let's pretend we're brother and sister because if... You know, if we say we're married, you're so beautiful. He, the, the Pharaoh is going to kill me and take you as one of his wives. So let's just pretend we're brother and sister, then I'll be safe. And the Pharaoh ended up taking Sarah to be one of his wives. And then he was cursed. And then he had a dream and he realized they were married. So he, he put them back together. But in the middle of that situation, what do we see that happened? That God called Abram to the difficult place. And then Abram just jumped out of the difficult place. I don't want to stay there. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too much work. The ground is too dry. I put my shovel in the ground and nothing happened. It's too hard of a place. So I'm just going to go to Egypt. I'm going to go somewhere else. Genesis chapter 13, verse 3 and 4. It says, And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So Abram avoided the famine, but was right back where he started. Now think about that. I don't want to deal with this difficult place. I'm just going to go to Egypt where they have crops and it's easy and they've got water. It's not a hard place. So we're just going to go be there in Egypt. But now God has led him back to the exact same place. Why? Because God had something for him to do. See, and this is what happens in our lives. Sometimes we try to avoid the stuff. We try to avoid the famine. We try to avoid the difficult conversations. We try to avoid change. 
looking for ease. But then we find ourselves right back in the place that God had for us originally. Do you know that God is not going to change his mind about you? In in many different ways. That God's not going to change his mind about loving you. Thank God for that. God is not going to change his mind about saving you. But then also God is not going to change his mind about his plans for you. He has something for you to do and accomplish. He's uniquely gifted you for those things, for the family that you're in, for the job that you work in right now. He's uniquely placed you in those spots. And we could just say, well, I just just want to go to Egypt where it's easy. I want to go somewhere else. But there's nowhere to run from the plans and purposes of God. So let's stop trying. Let's take on the challenges that God leads us to. Let's live by faith in him. Why? Because we'll end up right back where we started. Because God's not going to change his mind. God knows better than you know and better than I know what we should be doing with our lives. I know, God, you keep showing me this situation, and I know, you, I know you keep telling me, and I know I keep thinking about this thing that I need to do. And I know I'm bothered by this situation, and I know that you're calling me to do something about it. But I just want you to know that you're wrong, God. I just want you to know that I know what's better for me than you know is better for me. God's going to be like, yeah, you know what, I'm wrong. <laughs> I was mistaken. You're a finite 40-year-old being. You know better than me. No, God's not going to change his mind. And we're going to be right back to the place that he's called us. Why? Because he wants us to do something in the place of famine. But let me ask you a question about famine. Which is worse? Famine in the land or famine in your heart? Famine in the land or famine in your heart? Because this is the way life is sometimes. We find ourselves in the middle of circumstances that we feel like we can't handle, that it's just too much. And really sometimes it's actually something very small, but we, we, there's so much famine going on in our heart that we can't handle the smallest thing. And the smallest thing just sets us off. Angry or frustrated or going on some online tirade about something. Or anybody who will listen to me, I'm just going to, you know, get it all out. That we can actually be experiencing famine in our hearts which causes us to have the inability to handle the famine, the hard place, the difficult place in our lives. But God doesn't want us to live forever in the place of famine, physically or spiritually. That he's called us to that place of famine so that we can make a difference. And then if we're experiencing famine in our hearts, we need to be aware of that. Maybe, you know, we could say it like this, a spiritual dry place. Sort of a a place of uh, fruitless monotony. 
boring, let's call it. A dry life. I'm living a dry life. And one of the things that we need to, to be honest with ourselves about is if I am in that dry place, I'm talking about a physical one, I'm talking about a spiritual one right now. How did I get here? Now, there could be a thousand and one different reasons why you're there. Could be some choices that you made or choices other people made. It doesn't actually matter how you got there. But the answer is we shouldn't stay there. We shouldn't stay in this place of famine in our souls. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He satisfies the longing soul. See, God wants you to be able to handle those places of famine that you face in life. But how is it that we're going to handle those places? We're going to handle those places knowing that he's the one that satisfies our heart first. Because if there's no famine on the inside of me, I can handle any situation because I know God is with me, that he's the one that satisfies my heart. And then I live life in such a way like this. I say, God, what's next? What's next for me to do? Where is the next place of famine that you want me to fix with your help? What do you need me to do, God? I'm available. How do we get to that place? We get to that place knowing that he's the one that satisfies our soul. Him, he, person of God. See, we, we, we live in this culture, and in this culture, it, we are trained. We are trained at... You know, have experiences, and then we have an experience, and then we need to have more experience, and then we need to, to, to taste something and eat something, and we need to get something. And, and if we're not careful, we just think all of life is those things. And then I will actually live a, a, a beautiful life if I could just get more, eat more, taste more, have more, experience more. And don't get me wrong, God wants us to enjoy life, but we have to know that those things are not ultimately going to satisfy our soul, our heart's cry. How are we going to be satisfied in our heart from where we live? He is the one that's going to satisfy us. He is the one that's journeying with us from this place to a place that I don't exactly know what it's going to look like in five years, but I know that he's going to be with me every step of the way. And he's the one that's going to satisfy my longing soul. And you already know. You already know the things that we eat and consume and experience. We, we can't get enough of those or we just have to do it again next weekend. And we're like, well, maybe next weekend will be better. No, he, him, God himself satisfies our longing soul. And then when he satisfies our soul... The places of famine are not so hard. Because when we, when we find a place of famine, have we trained ourselves to see possibilities or limitations? 
See, if we have a famine in our soul, all we see are limitations in the place of famine. But when God has filled our heart, all we can see are possibilities. All we can see is that God is going to be faithful here as well. In the middle of this difficult situation that I find myself in, that God has called me to to make a difference in. He satisfied my soul. And so I see possibilities. Why? Because I've got faith in God. I've got faith in God himself. Because he's the one that satisfied me before I got here in this place of famine that surrounds me. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says this, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Don't you want that to be said about your life? Man, I do. And I certainly haven't got it all figured out. But ultimately, this is what, what we're wanting. And, and so what, what is happening on our journey? Just like Abraham's journey, sometimes there's going to be a scorched place. Sometimes there's going to be a place of famine, but God has called you there. God has placed you there so that the water flowing out of you, listen, the joy flowing out of you, the love flowing out of you will, be, will flow like water in a dry place. Man, and this, listen, this is where we discover what life is all about. Back to that vision for all of us that he's blessing you and that he wants to make you a blessing. He's blessing you, sending you to the place of famine so that you can be a blessing. And, and the famine out here is fine if I don't have famine in here. But there's no reason for me to have famine in here. There's no reason for in here to be a scorched place. Why? He's with me. He's empowering me. His joy is on the inside of me. The, the spirit of God was flowing out of me like water. And then my expectation is no longer an expectation of limitation. It's an expectation of God. What are your possibilities in this dry place? See, in the end of the story, the culmination of the story of Abraham is all about the promise. And what was the promise? That he would be a father of many nations. And so the result of the promise of God, of Abraham, is a person. And the result of the promise of God in your life is people. See, sometimes we think, you know, I just need new people. I need new friends. I need a new family. And so if I could just, you know, get away from this crew, because this bunch is like a messed up, famine, dry bunch of friends and family that I have. And if I could just get a whole new God, just, I just pray for a whole new set of friends. Now, if God were to do that, answer that prayer, I don't think he will, so don't pray it. There's famine in your new group of friends, too. 
There's difficulty with those people too. And so the combination of living this out is living it in the context of people, in the context of relationships. God made a promise to Abraham and the end of the promise was Isaac, the person that God made a promise to all of us through Christ, that God so loved the world. Who's the world? His people. See, part of us understanding that the dry places sometimes are people that we're going to encounter. And we have to stop running from people that have a dry place on the inside of them. See, life is very messy. People are very messy. People are facing difficulties all of the time. And you can't fix everybody, but you can make a difference for some. And then you just need to start with one. God, who is it that you have placed in my life that's maybe going through a season of famine? How can I water their life? God, where are you sending me on this journey to the place that you have for me? And who are the people that I can encounter on this journey to make a difference in their life? This is how Jesus lived his life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and, and kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. This is a place of famine. This is a difficult place. This is a place of struggle. And the disciples couldn't help. Jesus answered, O faithless generation. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out and the boy was healed instantly. What did Jesus say? Bring him here. Bring him to me. See, and this needs to be our attitude in life. And it has nothing to do with us being great or amazing or awesome or something like that. As we've said, anything that's good that's coming out of us actually comes from the Spirit of God. But this needs to be our attitude. Bring him to me. I'll step in the middle of your mess. I'll help you. I'll talk to you. I'll pray for you. I'll love you. We can't be constantly avoiding all of the famine around us. Why? Because God is sending us there and they have names. You know them already. And their lives are a scorched place. But God has sent you to them. It doesn't have to be the multitudes. It doesn't have to be your whole office. But what is the name of that one person that God has sent you to? God wants to do something through you to bless them. He's blessed you to make you a blessing. Quit trying to opt out of the assignments. 
Quit trying to opt out of where God has placed you. He's placed you there for a reason. Last verse is Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Who is the harvest? The harvest is people. But the laborers are few. There's a bunch of people that are harassed and helpless, but there's actually less willing people. What does Jesus say to them? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then the next chapter continues with Jesus sending out the same people that prayed for the laborers. Hey, I want you to pray for laborers and then I want you to go. want you to love somebody who's in a dry place because the fulfillment of the promise is people let's just pray this morning thanks for listening if you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you please email info at thecitychurch.ca